guys can have a seat, and it is uh, good to be with you guys. My name is Micah, and I serve across Harvest as um, executive pastor, and what that means is I actually get the privilege of just kind of helping out in various ways throughout what right now is two congregations in Central Florida, so y'all are here, thank you, uh, at Harmony Middle School, obviously, you know that, um, but we also meet at this time on Sundays up near Lake Nona uh, in Moss Park as well, and um, some of the even kind of core team that you saw leading here um, has been kind of tracking with and part of Harvest going back to about four years ago in, uh, in 2018 and um, lived here, drove way too far every Sunday there and has been excited about what God has done the last seven, eight months with you guys here. And so I'm going to get the privilege of hanging out every now and then uh, with you. Trey, lead pastor here uh, at Harvest Harmony, is on family vacation. So he was planning to be off, asked me some time ago just to fill in and continue the teaching series that we're in called Hearing from God, and I uh, had a chance to listen and catch up um, to the last couple of weeks um, here and what, what has happened, and I'm just excited. Before we even dive into the series, um, I, I'm just, it's, it's really cool to be able to see what God has done through you guys as a church in just less than a year um, already. So for some of you guys, you may be just kind of like brand new, like you're here even for just the last few months. Um, I just encourage you, continue to, to dive in, um, build some friendships here, uh, pursue God here, and uh, even after the service, if there's anything I or some of our team can, can do, we'd love to meet with you hanging out at the guest service side um, afterward. But let me, uh, let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you um, for just the opportunity that we have week in, week out, to gather together, um, to sing about your goodness, and to worship in this place together. And I pray that uh, in our time, um, as we're in this series, Hearing from God, my biggest hope is that we, we would, um, that in this time together, that we continue to hear from you as we look at your word, that you would teach us through it. Uh, and for those that have come into this place, whatever their journey's on, whatever um, their past has looked like, whatever this morning has looked like, God, we believe that they're here for purpose. And so I pray that you'd use this time. Uh, we turn our hearts over to you. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, so I mentioned, so Trey's on vacation. Our family, that was last week. So we had the chance to kind of get out of Central Florida for a while and rendezvous with some family that lives more like on the west, uh, toward the west coast in Arizona. And so we met in this destination in the middle uh, in Colorado. So our family got on a plane and flew um, to Colorado. Some of the Arizona family drove up from Arizona to Colorado. Both of us were excited to get out of really hot temperatures in both places and get in the mountains and how literally cool was that. It was, um, it was a great opportunity to do um, uh, just to get, kind of get together and rest and relax. I'm curious for you, though, in the room, beach or mountain? All right, how many of you are beach people versus mountain? If you had to choose permanently, one or the other, where are my beach people at? Somewhere close to the beach? Yeah, well, you're in a good state, right, for that. All right, mountain people, how many if you could? Oh, maybe a little bit more. You're in the wrong state for that. Um, and we, we feel that a little bit. I think uh, on our side of the family, probably my wife and I both would say mountain people. I'm not as strong, like the mountains don't call as strong to me, I think, as they do to her. Um, but it was good to be in the mountains. And uh, it was, it's weird. Like, we're at probably like 80 feet elevation, something like that right now. We hung out around like 10,000 feet elevation. And uh, that just does something a little bit different to you. Do I have any runners in the room? People, like, you run, jog, something faster than walk for exercise, a couple of you. So I, that's my regular way to like not be stressed and not get fat, is to like run. 
I could not do that. There's just something different. 10,000 feet, trying to run. Um, like whatever would be a normal distance, cut that in about a third, and I felt like I did three times what we usually did. But it was, it was good to get away. Um, but in, in the hearing from God thing, there's some, some of you mountain people are like, if I was in the mountains, like there's just an ability to connect with God like differently in, in nature and the beauty there. And uh, that may be one of the ways that God kind of connects and, and works with you. And um, I, I hope throughout this series as you're diving in, uh, we're learning a little bit more on how, like, how awesome it is that the creator of the universe, the God who created you and everything, just by the word of his power, that he wants to communicate with you. And if we back up over the last few weeks, um, we've been kind of unpacking that in different ways. At the start of the series, we talked about how Jesus really changes everything, that because of Jesus, you can both hear from God and God hears you. Like, how good news is both of those things? And I don't know all of your backgrounds. Like, some of you, this this church side of things may be kind of new. And perhaps in your background, when you grew up, maybe even going to church, it didn't really feel like good news when you went. Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand, but that your background, like maybe you went. And, and that experience at church in your background didn't feel like, like good news. And if that's the case, you probably didn't really catch all of what Christianity is about, because Christianity is different than every other religion in the world. Um, really, if you think about every religious system in the world, isn't there like there's you, right, as people, and there's God or the gods, right? And there's this big gap between. If you think about like every other kind of religious system, there's you and there's God and this gap in between, like they're the things that you have to do, the works that you have to work, the good deeds you need to perform, right, to get on the right side of God or, or the gods. And, and Christianity is different. It acknowledges there's a, a God of the universe who's perfect and holy, and there's us, and there's this gap of sin. But instead of these are the things that you have to do to make your way to God, in Christianity we have in Jesus that God came in the flesh in grace and mercy, and we celebrate the good news of these are the things that God has done to make his way to us, right? And what good news that is. And so at the start of the series, we just talked about the reality that because of what Jesus has done for us, we can hear from God. And we can actually be heard by God, that we're not just uh, separated from God anymore, but in fact, like, not only are we close, but God adopts us as his children, and he hears us as a, as a heavenly father. And week two, we looked at how we hear from God through his word. Uh, the idea was that you hear God's word through the Bible, through his word, right? And, and uh, Trey kind of walked through just a simple approach, like how to read the Bible in such a way that you can listen and, and learn what is God teaching me and what is he saying to me. Last week, Trey, talk, Trey talked about prayer and how um, we can connect with God and, and pray continuously. We can, we can pray authentically uh, and that our prayers don't change God because God is unchanging, but yet our prayers in some ways that it's hard to understand can kind of move the heart of God. And, and maybe more importantly, our praying to God can change us. And, and we remember who he is and we focus our attention on him. And so today we're going we're gonna to talk about what's kind of been the subtext kind of been um, what has been referenced indirectly throughout the series up to this point, but dive in a little bit deeper. And it's, it's that there really is a way for us to hear God's voice inwardly. And there's a way that God, through his Holy Spirit, speaks to Christians in a way that's directly to them. And so uh, we're going to look at that a little bit in our time together today. And, and I think throughout all this series, I, I believe probably some of you are in a couple of different places when it comes to hearing from God. Um, there are some that, like maybe even you've been following Jesus for quite some time, maybe even in decades, but if asked the question, like, do you feel like you, you regularly hear from God, you, you might say no. Like, I don't, I don't know. I believe that can happen. I, I, it seems like that happens for some people, but in my own experience, I just don't know that I, that I really hear from God. 
And um, there might be others of you that you even have some kind of objections to that. Like, aside from, I like the Bible topic, like, I get that. God has revealed himself through his written word, and any other revelation, like, that someone would talk about is wrong, right? It's, it's the Bible only, and that's the only way that God, God would speak or could speak or, or should speak. And, and you might even have some good, good reasons for that, right? Because perhaps in your own story, like mine, maybe people have kind of abused this, I heard God tell me for you kind of a statement, and, and it wasn't really accurate. I mean, if God, someone actually heard from God, like if someone says, God told me to tell you, like if God spoke, it's, it's 100% one, accurate, and two, 100%, I better do whatever you just said, because God spoke, right? And so what a, what a challenging idea to think, like, outside of the written word that God would say anything. And, and yet, as we look at even in the Bible and the written word, there's all kinds of ways that God speaks um, to people. Let's just look at, at a few. Um, within uh, the Bible, we see that God has spoken in um, kind of subtle ways. That first point, I think some of these points will be on the screen with me. The passage will read. You should be able to follow on the screens with me. But is this, that uh, divine subtlety doesn't mean divine inactivity. Just a few of the ways God spoke to people that are recorded in the Bible. Um, he said to communicate through a whirlwind uh, in the book of Job, to announce his presence by an earthquake in Exodus, that, he, spe that uh, he speaks in a voice that sounds like thunder. He sends, at times, angelic messengers um, to communicate with people. Um, he speaks audibly to Moses in the Old Testament and to some others. There are times that we see God has granted um, dreams and, and visions to reveal what he's about to do. And so can I let you in on a, a, a little secret? Um, something that I think little by little is, is changing my life, and it's a wrestle, and it's, it's difficult, um, and yet it's something that I feel like God is calling us to kind of lean into, and it, it, it's this, that that while God speaks first and foremost through his son, Jesus Christ, the living word, and that God speaks predominantly through his written word, the Bible, that, that yet God also whispers to our soul. That there's a way as a Christian that the Holy Spirit wants to, to speak to you in a personal way as well. And you can see this on the screen. This is the big idea for today is that you, you can learn uh, to discern the Holy Spirit's quiet internal whisper. You can learn to discern the Holy Spirit's quiet internal whisper. And what I want to do is we're going to look at a passage first in the Old Testament, um, a famous prophet in the Old Testament, a guy named Elijah. And so in this story, if you want to, if you have a physical Bible with you, you want to turn there and read along, we're going to read from 1 Kings. Um, it's in chapter 19. We'll start in verse 11. Um, whether you're turning there on your phone or if you want to follow along on the screen from 1 Kings 19, 11, We'll see, like, at this point, we're going to read about a guy named Elijah. And God had done, like, miraculous things before the story through the life of Elijah. Worked great miracles through him. Um, had communicated kind of through him in really profound ways. And yet, Elijah finds himself in a pretty dark place here. And it seems like despite all the activity of God, like, he, nothing seems to be changing with God's people. And in fact, they're so angry with him, he feels like they're going to kill them. And he's hiding out in a cave uh, and we jump into verse 11 with this. It says, and he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in 
the fire, and after the fire, catch this, the sound of a low whisper. Depending on your translation, it might say a still, small voice, or the voice of a gentle breeze. Look at verse 13. Then when Elijah had heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. You'll have to read on. You can see what God says to Elijah after that. But what I want you to catch this morning is the way that God chose to speak to Elijah. Elijah had experienced, like I said, great and mighty acts of God in his ministry, that, things that were like showy and attention-grabbing. Um, God had, uh, that were kind of like that earthquake and the fire. Um, but yet, despite those miracles, things like praying for rain that hadn't happened in three years, and then it happens or praying that God would send fire from heaven in this dramatic way to prove his existence, and he does that. Like, despite those ways, God, in this instance, chose to speak to Elijah in a different way, like a gentle whisper. And I think, perhaps for many of us, the greatest uh, step forward that we could take is to learn, in our own lives, to discern that, that still small voice, that gentle whisper of God. I mentioned this kind of been the subtext of the last couple of weeks. If you think about it, when we talk about reading God's word a couple of weeks ago, the hope was when we read God's word that we not only learn intellectually things, but that the God of the universe who recorded his words for us in the Bible, that, that we would hear and apply and be changed by his words. That, In other words, we would hear his voice, that we would experience his presence, that there would be a relational learning from God that takes place in that. And similarly, Last week, when Pray talked about prayer and how we pour out our heart before God, that there's also a hope and an expectation in prayer that it's not just a monologue, it's not just us saying a bunch of things to God, as important as that is, but that it's also, there's a listening piece to it, that we lean in, and that we want to hear instructions from God, or direction from God, or gain encouragement from God. And so this week, we're going to kind of look specifically at what's been sort of the subtext the last couple of weeks, and, and lean into just four ways, four types of whispers that you can learn to hear and discern from the Holy Spirit uh, in, your, in your life. There's a story um, of a man that I, I want to read just part of this, um, is referenced to him in a book called Hearing from God, but um, there's a guy... 350, 360 years ago, uh, that um, really became kind of known um, as Brother Lawrence later. At the time, he was born as Nicholas Herman. I'm going to read just a, a short passage, too, of this story of a man who really learned to lean in to the presence of God. Nicholas Herman received an overwhelming assurance that the one who brings trees to bloom in spring could also be trusted to make his barren and rather unpromising life beautiful and fruitful in season. Five years later, a serious injury forced him out of the army and into a new job as a footman. Uh, but his work, it was work to which Nicholas was singularly unsuited. He was still walking with a limp from his war wound, and he was, in his own words, a great awkward fellow who broke everything. By the age of 21, Nicholas already had two professions behind him. His career in the military was over, and he failed horribly in the service as a footman. What did God want him to do with the rest of his life? How was that tree ever to become fruitful now? When would the season finally change? Feeling drawn to a deeper life, partly by that vision of the tree, Nicholas approached uh, a small monastery in Paris where he was given work serving up, cleaning up, and washing up in the kitchen for its friars. But the long hours on his wounded leg caused great pain, and he was eventually transferred to the workshop so that he could sit down 
and make and repair sandals. The priority boasted a magnificent, this place, the monastery, boasted a magnificent chapel uh, with the first, and at that time, the only domed roof in all of Paris. But Nicholas was never promoted from the workshop to the chapel with its rarefied priestly duties. Instead, for more than 50 years, he simply humbly continued fixing shoes, diligently learning to discern God's whisper in the ordinary stuff of life, turning his workshop into a sacred place of prayer. And this is how Nicholas became fruitful beyond anything he could ever have imagined as, he, as a dejected 16-year-old soldier staring at that tree. Visitors to the monastery began to seek the counselor of its cobbler, making a beeline for its humble workshop rather than the grand chapel. And countless people to this day continue to thank God for the life of Brother Lawrence as he became much better known by training himself to practice the presence of God in the ordinariness of life. Amidst its many disappointments and distractions, he gained insights that have helped millions to develop a more conversational and joyful relationship with the Lord. I end with this quote from Brother Lawrence. He says, there is not in the world a kind of life more sweet and delightful he said, than that of a continual conversation with God. Some of you may have come across you know, this small book that's written based on interviews with Brother Lawrence um, called Practicing the Presence of God. I remember someone sharing that book with me as uh, a recently out of high school kid, just a young adult. Uh, and and uh, it was just this radical idea to me that, like, that someone could lean in and, in such a way that throughout their day, like whether washing pots and pans, fixing shoes, or in times of prayer to say, I'm equally like enjoying the presence of God no matter what was going on. M my soul doesn't feel that way a lot of the day. Um, actually, as I was just standing here trying to read, an alarm went off on my phone. And uh, here, here's, okay, here's how hard a time I have with this. So I, this has been, throughout the series, really I feel like God's been challenging me, like try some different things to like pay more attention to me throughout the day. So I actually set an alarm so that like every three hours it goes off. And for me, it's a reminder like, hey, whatever's going on, just take a moment and focus back on God. And so oftentimes I'll just pray the Lord's Prayer in that moment and try to pay attention. Like, where's my heart really at? What am I really focused on right now? And usually it allows me to redirect and actually focus on, on God differently. Even on vacation, this has saved me. My alarm went off at one point as we're, you were in the beautiful mountains and we're on this hike uh, and my phone, my watch starts buzzing at me, and I know what it's for, and I pause to think, and I'm like, I was feeling frustrated in this moment because we weren't making enough time, like, on the hike, and we wanted to be further, I wanted to be further along than we were, and, and so I had this, like, the Lord just corrected me because of the watch buzz, right, to go, wait a minute, like, just enjoy what's happening, and, it, and this has helped me in different ways, right, to just refocus on God's presence. Now, it's probably just me. The rest of you guys, you, like, focus on God all the time. No big deal, right? Like, you're there. When you think of practicing the presence of God, like, that's your thing. Nothing ever phases you. You can laugh or not. Are you with me? Anybody, any fellow strugglers on this journey of paying attention to God throughout your day, or is it just me? You can raise your hand if any of you relate to this. All right? Okay, I'll keep going then. So we're going to look at, like I said, just four ways that we um, can, can learn to discern the whisper of God. What are the types of ways that he may whisper to us? Uh, and if you think back, if you were here on the first week of this series, um, we went through this passage uh, in Luke chapter 24, where there was a couple of Jesus' disciples that had um, kind of witnessed like his death on the cross. They knew he had died. 
um, they were leaving Jerusalem a few days later. They had heard some of the other disciples talking about having seen Jesus raised again from the dead, and they were confused, they were worried. They ended up just deciding they're going to leave Jerusalem and head, um, they're on this road to a town called Emmaus. And uh, in that story, Jesus actually shows up with them, walking alongside of them, but they don't recognize him. Anybody remember this story? All right. And so in that moment, like they're not recognizing Jesus. Eventually, as the story goes on, he kind of plays coy with them, like he's going to part a different road and they're headed home and they invite him to their house instead. And, and it's when they broke bread and had a meal with him that they recognized that this was Jesus who had been talking with them and walking with them and helping them understand the scriptures. And then He's boom, like he's gone. I don't know what that looked like, but he's there, then he's not. And then just a little bit later, Jesus appears again in Luke 24 with kind of the greater group of disciples. You can read this with me uh, from verse 44. So Luke 24, 44 says this. So about Jesus, then he said to them, um, so he's now in the presence with his disciples again. He says, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And pay attention to this next verse. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus, is it, is, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise again from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. He looks at them and says, you are my witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. So stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. What I love about this story in Luke is how absolutely clear it is that Jesus' own disciples, after his death, like they're totally lost and not sure what to do next. Like if you think about the fact that you guys are sitting here today, some 2,000 years later, that the message of Jesus has gone global and around the world is absolutely miraculous. When the next thing that happened when Jesus first died is everybody huddled together and didn't know what to do. And like what happened that that group of confused, we don't know what to do anymore, uh, followers of Jesus somehow has led to this global church that continues to grow today and it's this last verse that he said that until he says you are clothed with power from on high that Jesus had been promising that while he was going to leave he was going to send the Holy Spirit to his followers and that radical things were going to happen in them and, and through them and so for Jesus own disciples when it came to hearing from God in a way what they began increasingly in the three years they had with Jesus to recognize is that like we can better understand God's voice by him like when he speaks, we understand the scriptures differently. And when we're confused by the Bible, he gets to unpack it for us. And, and that Jesus, as the living word of God, they recognize the voice of God. And in their experience, I think increasingly over that time, hearing from God meant hearing from Jesus. And then he's gone. And what do we do? And Jesus says, wait. He tells them basically to pause their ministry until he sends the Holy Spirit. And then there's this encounter uh, in Acts chapter 1 in verse 23, where some of the apostles, like they're, they're doing what Jesus said, like they're waiting uh, for the Holy Spirit to come, but they also realize there's a problem we need to solve, because there used to be 12 of us, like Jesus had appointed kind of a main 12 disciples as apostles. One of them betrayed Jesus, committed suicide, and died. Now there's 11, and they knew it was important that there was 12, now there's 11, so they decide we need to replace Judas, who's now dead, with somebody else. And so they basically look around at each other and go, who's been around like the longest and that's heard the most and witnessed the most from Jesus? And they come up with two guys. All right, look at this in verse 23. 
It says they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias, and they prayed and said, you, Lord, know the hearts of all people. Show which one of these two you have chosen to take, place, uh, to take the place in the ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And so they're praying for God to have his will done, right? Like Jesus taught them that that was part of the Lord's prayer, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? They're seeking for God's will to be done, and their way of discerning that is kind of interesting. Look at verse 26. They cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. All right, so basically, like, they've got this decision to make. It's a pretty important one. They're pretty sure one of these two guys would be good to fill in this place, but they don't, they don't know who God wants to do, so they basically play, like, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, or, like, paper, rock, scissors to pick the final guy. Like, how how awesome a way of discerning God's will is that, all right? Like, it sounds a little bit, I remember reading this and thinking, like, that's just kind of crazy. But this is where they, they are. Jesus has gone. He's the one that guided them in the past. He's told them, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who's going to make things known to you. But they don't have the Holy Spirit involved in their life just yet. It's a little bit later that, uh, in Acts 2, that the Holy Spirit is, is sent. And radical things start happening in the lives of that same group of people. God's working miraculous things through them. Suddenly they're preaching and sharing about Jesus and thousands of people are coming to be saved. Uh, people are being healed left and right through the ministry of, of these same confused, huddled believers just days before. And God's doing something different. That includes the way that he leads them. I want to look at just a few verses together and think about the, let's see who the next guy is, I don't know, version to what, what this looks like in Acts eleven twenty seven, for example. It says, uh, now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named uh, Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. And this took place in the days of Claudius. Um, look at Acts 15.22. It says, then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders and with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. And so they sent Judas called Barsabbas and Silas leading men among the brothers, that somehow something's different in the way that God is able to communicate and lead and, and direct them. Just a few verses later, in uh, verse 28 says, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. Um, the context of that is this huge, vastly important like, decision that the, these, this same group of believers is trying to discern what is God's will probably for like all of us, like the non-Jewish Christians that are coming to faith, do they need to do things like circumcision in order to be Christian? Like, do they have to first take these Jewish steps in order to become a, a Christian? And think about how important that decision was, right? Like, for the rest of Christian history, like, what is required to follow Jesus? And they discern, via the Holy Spirit, what to do next. That because of the work of the Holy Spirit in this time, um, we have, right, the written word of God, the, the New Testament that, that takes place. But God began to speak differently. And so we're going to look at four, like I said, four whispers. The first one we've been talking about, and that's direction. Four ways to lean into how God wants to lead you um, includes this idea of direction. We saw that in the life of the early church um, in the book of Acts. But think about like how, how much instruction and how much direction we get from God in the Bible. Like take marriage, for example. There's so much 
that we can learn and obey and apply in our lives about how to build a strong and healthy marriage through the Bible and what God has written here. Like if we only did what we know to do, our marriages would be so much better than they are, right? And yet, there are also things, even within the idea of marriage, that like the Bible doesn't specifically address. Like, for example, who is it that you should marry? All right, any single people in the room? Okay, a few of you, right? So that seems like a pretty important decision that you might want like some direction from God on. Like you're dating somebody and you're wondering, is this the person I'm supposed to marry or not? And so there are very practical ways you can apply the Bible, um, like to gauge, like, is this person a follower of Jesus? You know, is there wisdom in making this decision? But if, you know, I hear this for many of us, and I pray this prayer too, right? And it's not bad, but think about this for a moment. For a lot of us, when it comes to seeking God's direction, the main way we seek that is this idea of like an open door or a closed door, right? So, God, if this is not the person for me to marry, then close the door, right? So, in other words, what does that mean? I don't know. Like, I guess they break up with me or, you know, they die or something. But, like, it seems like then our way of asking God to lead us is, like, I'm going to do what I think I want to do, and you're going to have to stop me somehow. Otherwise, I'm going to assume it's your will, right? And that could work. Like, God loves you, and he may prevent you from, like, driving off a cliff in a relationship. But at the same time, wouldn't it be nice, like, if there are ways that God may kind of like, when you're listening and when you're praying, answer with a yes or a no or a not now in a way that you can discern what that is. We, we can listen for a whisper of direction from the Holy Spirit. Think about career choices and, and job opportunities that you have. If our only avenue for God's leadership is I'm going, to keep, I'm going to keep moving forward as long as there's an open door. I'm going to keep going forward and God can shut that down. That's not a very personal way of God leading. I had this picture in this of a podcast versus a text message. If we were to imagine an illustration of how we might hear and learn from God of, of like a podcast versus text messages, you know, uh, as a podcast, there's an author, a content creator, and a podcast, and they're putting out content that anybody can log in and listen to, right? And, and there's a lot of wealth you can learn from that. I think of like our reading from the Bible in a way it's kind of like a podcast. Like God has said things that are definitive and they're for us. We can listen uh, and we can learn and lead in. And there's a lot that God can do to, to train us in that way. But is it also possible that at least at times as we seek God in prayer and, and seek him that, that he might send us a text message too. It, it's not just like a once for all message that anybody can go back and, and listen to and learn from but when we're wrestling with those decisions in life, or we're feeling weighty and, and downtrodden, are there times that as we, as we give God room and we give God space, that he, in love, like, think of the text message. People who send you a text message know who you are, and they know your phone number, unless they're spamming you. I get more of those now. I don't know if you do. It's like random, like, how did you get my number, people? But in general, right, when you get a message, it's because somebody knows you, uh, and, and they're reaching out to you personally. Wouldn't it be amazing if the God of the universe who created you, loved you, cared about you enough to, to come in the flesh in Jesus and die for you, not only left you everything you need to know for life and salvation written in the Bible, but also might come alongside of you at times when you just need encouragement or you need direction and lead you directly. We can lean in listening for the whisper of God in, in direction in our lives. The second one I've kind of mentioned already is encouragement. Encouragement. Uh, Romans 15.4 talks about the encouragement of God's written word. 
when it says, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the, catch this, the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Man, there are so many ways that God will encourage you, no matter what you're walking through, no matter what's been done to you or what you've done, that as we look at God's written word in the Bible, that he can encourage us, that we can experience his presence through that. And there's also an encouragement that can come from what is referenced in the New Testament as a prophetic word, something that the Holy Spirit speaks inwardly. Look at 1 Corinthians verse 14. Talking about this, he says, the one who prophesies, is talking about the church gathered together, and the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. If we look a little bit more at the context of that, let's back up uh, in verse 1. says this, Paul, who's writing this, says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Um, the word there in the Greek is this idea of grace, uh, of gifts of grace, and refers to special abilities that God gives believers through the Holy Spirit. He goes on in verse 2 to say, For one speaks in a tongue and speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. You know, there are, there are times in my own life when, um, when reading the Bible and, and trying to apply scripture that um, I, I, I can get to something very helpful, and it can be in ways like just really intellectual, like this is what God said, it's clear, this is what I need to do, right? Like I, I get that, and I can take steps. And there are times in that, on the other side of that, I'd say that's, that's awesome, like that's hearing from God, like it's his word, we read it, we apply it. Um, there are also times in reading the scriptures where I, I feel a little bit more like that story from week one with the the two uh, disciples on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus is unpacking the scriptures, and it says they recognize, on the other side of like recognizing Jesus, they're remembering what it felt like to hear him talk about the scriptures, and they said it wasn't our heart burning within us when he opened up the scriptures to us. And there are times, and it's not every day for me, but there are times in that daily reading where that, that's kind of the experience, where it's as if like God in his presence comes alongside my time in, in reading the word, and my heart burns within me. And, and there's an experience of his presence through his, his word. There, there are times here and there as well where I, I can relate to what happens in that, that verse about the one who prophesies, encourages, or builds up the church. There are times in, in prayer where um, God has put something on my heart that I may need to say or, or, or do this for somebody. Um, on vacation, there was one instance in particular, just in a quiet time, where um, I had this vivid memory just in a time of prayer and about something I had done wrong as a dad with one of my kids and just kind of this encounter. And it was quite some time before, and, and I just really, like, I wasn't a good dad in that moment. Uh, and there was things that I said that weren't appropriate and I think caused harm. And um, God just laid that in my heart. And that led to a conversation where I just felt like it wasn't, I didn't have like everything I needed to say, but I felt like in a moment, like you need to own that, apologize to that and bring that up sometime. And, uh, and I did. And there are these times where I think God can do that in that gentle whisper of prayer where he may give you instructions that you need to do this or you need to make that, that right. And that can come through the scripture. I think there's a lens of scripture we should look at and a great grid that we can think through. Um, 
If you, I give you an ABC test, all right? If you ever feel like, I, I feel like God's putting on my heart that I need to do this for somebody or say this to somebody, at least do this first, pause, okay? And then think ABC, all right? A, affirming. Um, is, this, is this something that's going to be affirming for the person? Um, B, biblical. Um, from what I know about God in the scriptures, is there anything about what I feel like God is saying that is contrary to that? Because if, it, if God said something different here, then I'm obviously not hearing from God because he's not going to uh, say one thing here and another thing to me, right? Is it affirming? Is it biblical? And is it Christ-like? Like, from what I know about Jesus, does this seem like the kind of thing Jesus would say or do or try to make right or help in? But in our lives, we have this, this chance to discern God's whisper uh, for direction, for encouragement, as well as the third thing is, is warnings. Uh, there's this passage in Acts 16 about some of the disciples, and check this out. They're wrestling with the ministry and mission that God's called them on and where to go next uh, in this ministry. In verse 6, it says, They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to uh, Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. Anybody else want to read these words? Man, um, and the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man from Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Um, if any of you, you have a hard time discerning like God's direction in your life, like feel good, you're in good company. Um, this includes like Paul in here reference, the guy who wrote a lot of the New Testament that we're reading from. And it seems like, like at the end of the day, it's like, we're going to try to go this way. Nope, can't do that. All right, let's go preach that way. Nope, God's saying no to that. Well, I had a dream last night, and some guy was like, come preach to us, and we're going to take that as God's will. Like, God's got to, like, bang through uh, to communicate with him. But what was interesting is, I don't know what that was like, to be shut down by the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of Jesus does not permit us to go that way. I don't imagine like physically Jesus appeared and was like blocking the road that they were to travel on, but in some way there was a, a warning, a no, um, that God stopped what they were, were doing. You know, if, think about this, if prayer is a listening conversation with God, then I believe that we can grow in our discernment to hear or to sense when God warns us not to proceed with an action. And one of the ways that that happens, and I think is very much connected to reading God's word and taking that into our heart and meditating on that, is, is when there's a sin issue in our life and we're about to cross the barrier that we know is wrong, that there are times where God, through the Holy Spirit, will prod us and remind us, no, that's not right. Like, don't take that next step. Don't pursue that. I think there are other times, too, where we might even be choosing and trying to discern like between what seems to be just good options and we may even be down a pathway. You may be in a relationship that seems positive, and you're moving forward, and yet there's some kind of just check, like this thing from the Holy Spirit where you feel like God's saying no or not now. We can grow in our, our discernment for direction, for encouragement. I think there are times where God, out of his love, warns us. And this last one I want to look together, four whispers to listen for, is about calling, about our calling. We're going to look again at Acts in verse 13. Um, verse 1 says, There were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius and Cyrene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, I love this, the Holy Spirit said, 
Russell, what does that sound like when God speaks? How do we discern that? I hope that's your prayer. But the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have. What's that word? Called them for the work which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them as a way of like sending them out. They sent them off. We can learn to discern God's calling on our lives. But there's, there's two main ways to think about God's calling for you as a, as a Christian. All right? The first is what you might just call like general calling. There are things that the Bible tells you as a follower of Jesus you should do. Like That's true of all of us. Um, in, in a little bit in this summer, we're actually going to go through a series called Five. Um, Trey's going to be leading here, but there's five core values that we have as Harvest that are really like a calling for all of us as believers. They include things like sharing Jesus and living generously uh, and establishing community. Right? There are things that all of us are called to do as followers of Jesus, and yet there are specific ways that God gifts you and calls you as an individual. I think one of the most powerful ways, whatever your stage of life is, whether you're here and you're still unmarried and in, in, in your teens, or you're um, 75 and like you're an empty nester, and yet there's still breath in your lungs and God still has purposes for you and you're wrestling, what does God want for me specifically? There are ways that we can also discern God's specific calling, um, his specific calling in your life. And you might not only try to hear from God in, in times of prayer, but hear from God in how he's doing things and orchestrating things around you. And so let me give you uh, one other three-letter thing, all right? We did the ABC. This is GPS. All right, in your phone, anyone have a smartphone in the room? You've got the GPS-enabled phone, right? Oh, man, that was awesome in Colorado. I had no idea where I was going, but I followed in Google Maps a little blue dot, right, that I'm on the line. The blue dot needs to just follow the blue line, and I know where I'm going because my phone had this built-in GPS. In a way, God kind of does that for your soul in this specific calling. Here's what GPS means for you. You can, you can look at how am I gifted, right? How has God like wired you in two ways? Kind of your natural giftings, right? The, the personality that you have, um, the things that you're naturally good at, as well as your spiritual gifting. That there are ways as a believer that God may give you kind of an ability that you go, I just didn't have that before. Like, that's just different. It may be that you have this teaching ability that when you read God's word, things just kind of click. And you're like, I know how I would explain that to somebody differently. Or perhaps there are times where God uses and gifts you in ways that you've identified. But think about your gifting. Um, the P in GPS stands for passion. Like, what has God really made you excited about, passionate about? What do you love? The people that you're passionate about. Uh, maybe the types of places that you're passionate about. And think about how does what God's made me good at, maybe go in together with what he's really made me passionate about. And then the S stands for story or your experiences that you've built upon. What are the things that, that God has already been doing and building into your life uh, over time? And I would encourage you if, you, if you, like me at times, wrestle with what is it God wants me to do specifically to, to prayerfully consider those things that he's already orchestrated, already done in your life and, and allow him to, to whisper to you what does he want from you in this season of life. Um, there was a, a time shortly before moving to Orlando about four years ago um, where I was really at a point of transition in, in ministry. And so there was a, uh, a leadership transition that I was serving as an executive pastor at a church that we were in a hiring position for a, the lead pastor. So the lead pastor had worked with, moved, and left. And so we were in this season of uh, a national search for a lead pastor. And um, that just led to some different challenges and complexities and, and kind of church leadership. And, 
Uh, and I just remember this one specific instance while, while running and, and praying uh, that there was just kind of for me this common prayer of trying to discern that specific calling, right? Like, God, what is it like from me that you most want from me? I, and just wrestling to understand what that was. And, and in this moment, and I, w- I wish I could say this is how I hear from God lots of times. I'll say it's rare <laughs> for me. But like there was just this clarity of this phrase, and it was lead from the middle, leading from the middle. And, um, and in that moment, to be honest, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, but it, it felt important. And I will say from that point to now and the years since, there have been dozens of times where that, that phrase comes back in ways that makes more sense in hindsight than it did in the middle, in ways that God is asking me to try to serve the church. And, and, and it's kept me from some decisions or paths that I might even pursue. And just this clarity of that moment, I can't tell you how, how absolutely loving and, and cared for it feels like, in big ways or small, when again, the God of the universe not only has equipped you with his word, but through his Holy Spirit will at times in your life give you specific direction in prayer, encourage you when you need encouraged. Uh, he'll give you direction when you most need it. There are times where he will warn you to keep you off a path and keep you out of temptation, or from a, things that you just don't have the intellect or the foresight to know, and, and he'll He'll protect your path. And that in ways for his glory and for his good, he'll give you clarity about about your calling. And so as we prepare just to close in this time, the band's going to sing a final song. I want to ask you a question and just use this final song here, even while we're gathered together, for just a time of reflection and prayer in your own life. And it's this, right? Um, how, (laughs) How hard would it be for God, God's whisper to be heard in your own life? I think back on the airplane that we flew um, to and from Colorado on, and um, at one point I noticed a flight attendant who was just trying to be helpful and offer drinks to people along the way, right? But two things, man, the plane itself, I don't know if you've been on a plane recently, I forgot how loud it is, right? Just in flight, just the noise and that background air noise of the plane. And then most people have like some kind of earphones in and noise canceling headphones and they're watching a movie or they're listening to things. And so you've got the noise of the plane and the noise of these headphones in with that. And this flight attendant is just trying to serve people and ask, would you like a drink? You know, Coke or a Diet Coke or water or, or coffee. And I, it just, I didn't have anything better to do. I was kind of watching him make his rotation down and how many people he had to kind of try to get in, involved with and interrupt what they're doing to offer them a drink. And you know, I think in our own lives, for, all, for you, I just want to, as we have a little time together, I want you to be honest between you and God. If God is trying to whisper, I mean, not breaking in an earthquake, not having to send a fire in your life, but if he's communicating and speaking, like, softly to you on a regular basis, in your own life, are you giving him room to be heard? Do you have times in your day where you Sit quietly with the Bible open. And you ask, God, I, I'm here, I'm reading your word, will you speak to me? Do you carve out time in, in prayer in your week and in your day where there is another noise, but you found a place where if God wants to say something, your attention's focused on listening? I have a good friend I've been talking to, and he started this rhythm in this series of, of carving out time in the mornings just to go on a walk alone. 
And it's been really cool to hear from him, like how radically different. It's like, it's not every day, but that there are times in the past several weeks where he's gone through that and he's just, he's just heard this soft whisper and it may just feel like encouragement, um, but he's like, I, never before in my life, I've been following Jesus for 30 years. Have I specifically tried to carve out time every day where I'm just gonna listen and ask God, I'm here and will you just talk to me? Do you give God time or is your life like that airplane ride where there's just so much noise all of the time that a whisper from God would just be drowned out? And for some of you in the room, there may, there may be a faith piece where you've got to wrestle with. Like it may be a, because of past or what's been taught or hurts or wounds that you're maybe not that open to this idea of, of God who wants to, to minister to you. Or maybe you've wanted that for a long time, but you've just kind of ruled it out now. It seems like maybe God does that for other people, but for whatever reasons, that's just not me, and I never hear from God. Wherever you're at on this journey, will you take this time during this next song? And our hope, our prayer for you, is that you would connect with the God of the universe, who I believe desperately wants to connect with you personally. Let's sing, let's pray together.